journey into a world where nightmare becomes reality. Driller Killer was a low-budget production, and the filmmaking process was relatively simple. Director Abel Ferreira co-wrote the screenplay with Nicholas St. John, who also served as the film's production manager. Ferreira cast himself in the lead role of Reno, the troubled artist, and the rest of the cast was made up of mostly unknown actors. The crew was small, consisting of a cinematographer, a sound engineer, and a few others. The film was shot on location in New York City using available lighting and practical effects. The production utilized Ferrara's Union Square apartment and adjacent streets as locations. It features many of the elements that became trademarks in Ferrara's later films including Catholic imagery, lesbian scenes, gritty urban locations filmed at night, an eclectic soundtrack combining punk rock and Bach, scenes of extreme violence and a religious theme of redemption, salvation, and damnation. The punk rock band in the movie reflects contemporary New York punk bands such as the New York Dolls and television. Due to the film's low budget, the production schedule was tight and the crew had to work quickly to get everything done. Ferrara said in interviews that the shoot was very challenging with long hours and difficult working conditions. Despite these challenges, Ferrara and his team were able to complete the film and release it to theaters in 1979. While Driller Killer was not a commercial success, it has since gained a reputation as a cult classic in the horror genre, and the film is currently in the public domain. See Jimmy Lane as Reno Miller, a man driven to the very edge. And then beyond. The driller killer is coming, 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 coming. So for the driller killer, um, for this episode, I'm actually joined by my co-host Dave. How's it going, Dave? Hey, what's up, Andy? Man, it's been a little while. Yeah, it's been too long. Ooh, I was just trying to remember. You, know, you said it's been like February since we last podcasted together. Yeah, and it's when I had you on my show. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's great to have you on. And and with this episode, you know, I figured, you know, what better way to uh, spice things up to have Dave come back on and talk about this crazy ass movie? Just kind of talking about what this movie's about like obviously you know the name is driller killer so there's not much to spoil like you know we're just going to talk about this movie talk through it talk what we like what we didn't like kind of give you guys an idea of what to expect on this movie um yeah this is i don't know if this is as much of an obscure movie as maybe some of the other ones that i've talked about um i know arrow video did put out a release on this like on blu-ray or something so if they know about it it's not super obscure i mean it's yeah it's uh it's i don't know have you heard of have you ever heard of this movie before we did this episode yeah this so i should come out of the gate and say this was my idea this you know andy has all these movies that he's doing from the mill creek collection and i was like andy show me the ones on here and one of the previous episodes i was on is when we did deep red and i'm a big dario fan and so sticking with that i was like driller killer that sounds pretty good this is one of the only times where I've ever offered to podcast on a movie that I haven't seen yet. So to answer your question, I've heard of it, but I didn't watch it till yesterday. All right. So for me, I watched it probably, I don't know, it's probably like 15 years ago or something. It was the last time I saw it. So I didn't remember a whole lot about it. 
You know, it's funny. Like the one thing I did remember about this movie was there was a scene where they eat pizza. That's <laughs> that's the only thing I remembered about the movie. <laughs> and so, yeah. So basically, you know, this the plot is pretty straightforward. It's uh, you know, you have Reno. He's a struggling starving artist, I guess. Whatever. He's a painter. And he's working on like his grand masterpiece, I guess, which is like the painting of a buffalo and some other weird stuff kind of mixed in there with it. And he lives in like a, you know, they're in like New York City, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, New York City. They're in this like kind of dingy apartment. It's him and his girlfriend and her girlfriend. I don't know. <laughs> that three way is a little unclear, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's a, actually a conversation in this movie where. A woman asks one of the roommates, so, you know, she asks if she if she lives with Ringo, and the woman was like, yeah. He's like, well, so who fucks who, or who fucks what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird, strange relationship that they have. Um, but anyway, so they're all living together. Uh, you know, they're kind of, they're really struggling to pay their bills. You kind of see that in a couple of scenes. And you can see that his girlfriend is kind of, having to carry the the weight of like paying most of the bills she gets like an alimony check so she's been divorced i guess she gets the alimony check she pays her basically she pays the bills with that the other woman i don't know what she does she just kind of like lays around uh asking if anybody's got drugs uh going to clubs what you know that's about what she does um and so he's working on this painting and he and you know he's got this art dealer that's asking him hey when's it going to be finished uh we really you know i really want to see this and reno's like it'll be done soon too soon and but then reno's also keeps asking him for money because uh you know he says hey i need money to finish this or you know to keep so we can keep this this uh apartment so i can finish the painting so the guy's given him has given him money in the past but i think he's kind of at his ropes in the guy's like i'm not going to give you any more money i just want to see the damn painting and so Reno is kind of on the edge. You can tell he's he's trying to get this painting done. And uh, you can tell that like pressure starting to build at this point. And then you have this punk rock band that moves in downstairs, upstairs. I'm not sure where they're at in relation to Reno and his women. But I think they're like downstairs maybe. I don't know. But this is basically like one of those slumlord apartments, you know, where nothing really is taken care of. The, the landlord is kind of this scumbag guy. Um, he does give him a rabbit though. So yeah, that's weird. <laughs> uh, so this punk rock band moves in downstairs into an apartment and the landlord just lets them use it as a practice space. Like they pay him like 500 bucks, I guess a month, which I don't know what that translates to nowadays, but so they are playing punk music, like nonstop. It seems like all the, all day long, all night long, whatever. And Reno's starting to lose it. He he's already starting to lose it, but with all this racket going on, he is just really getting uh, angry and just starting to lose his grip on reality, I feel like. You know, because there's some scenes, some psychedelic scenes going on, some things like that. So, that I don't know, this movie kind of follows his journey, I guess, going from an artist to a driller killer. <laughs> Talking about this movie, like, like I said, you know, we're just going to talk about it. We're going to spoil everything. There's not, I wouldn't say there's really any surprises in this movie. You, you kind of understand what you're getting in yourself into this movie is very kind of grimy dirty you know because it's it's late 70s you know new york is just kind of like uh grindhouse type stuff going on i don't know like grindhouse theaters uh 
just everything is very just this definitely hasn't been gentrified yet yeah and, andy you know it's funny you say that there's no surprises because i got one um i couldn't believe you watched this movie twice Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm going to come out of the gate. Usually I, I don't dump all over movies. And if somebody is listening to this episode because they really like the driller killer, maybe you'll side more with Andy. I don't know how he really feels about it, but he's seen it more than I'm willing to watch it. And I, it's, I struggle to say that it's a bad movie. It's definitely just not a movie for me. And you talk about how it's like grindhouse and grimy and all of that's true. When the first 30 minutes are playing, I'm getting this idea. I was like, man, this is a very, like, artsy movie, right? It's real. The director, this is one of his first movies, so I, I'm giving it just kind of like, okay. And But I've seen John Carpenter's first movies, okay? But I'm watching it, and I'm, you know, I, I like trauma, so I can like really bad movies. And I like Jalo movies, so I like just straight up, you know, murder movies and, you know, red blood paint. So I like everything across the horror board, but there was something about this movie that I really couldn't figure out. But to top it off, one thing that made me more aggravated than anything else is I hated the music, Andy. I, none of these songs were good. Yeah. The, basically the, uh, the soundtrack, if you will, is just the band playing, practicing the, that one song. I feel like oh, you hear this one oh. song over. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like you know seventies punk rock, so it's it's not like there's not much to it. It's like it's kind of the same riff over and over again, and of course they're practicing. But yeah, you just hear this one song, and uh, you hear a little bit more music like when they're playing live. You see you see them play live a couple of times. This band, uh, I think it was called Johnny Coca Cola and the Corvettes or something like that. <laughs> You're close. It's actually Tony Coca Cola and the <laughs> Roosters. Oh. You said the Corvettes. <laughs> What? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yes, I knew it was something like that. But uh, yeah, it, the music did get on my nerves some, and I think that the uh, the score was just kind of like some weird sound effects. Um, this was like a very low budget movie, and that was one of the things I was wondering about. Like, did they even have a script? Like, was this? I, like I feel improv like or something. Yeah, I feel like a lot of this movie could have been improv. So uh, it. These characters, they have that New York, New Jersey, like dialogue going, and you kind of know what to expect with that. And it's very entertaining to watch. But I was also reading that they filmed on weekends only for over two years. And I think some of that shows because some of the editing in this movie makes no sense at all. You have like two characters who I think are about to get into it like a fight. And then the next scene, like you said, they're eating pizza. I was like, wait, what happened? Did I miss something? No, it's just edited that way. Yeah, that's yeah. That some of the editing is kind of weird. Um, this is like definitely like guerrilla filmmaking. If you know, if you want an example of that, just kind of like I feel like they just went by the seat of their pants. Hey, we're gonna try this scene out. Uh, they're probably there. I mean, there's probably was some stuff planned out. I would I would guess, but I think I feel like some of the shots, like especially when they're going through like the city, when you saw like the homeless people kind of around and stuff. I I feel like a lot of that was just kind of like people on the street like some guy just this guy just went out with his camera and just filmed like real homeless people you know that's right. kind of the vibe i got from this like, especially there's that one shot of that guy just like puking yeah it was like so gross, gross. like yeah. i was like uh this is real this feels real but uh <laughs> talking about maybe some pluses about this movie like okay so for me my opinion of the movie i don't know where i fall I, yeah like a dave said i don't know if this is a movie i'm gonna watch ever again I appreciated it for what they were trying to do, I guess. Sure. Um, 
but yeah, it's just it's not it's not like a movie I'm going to go back to. Like you you kind of go into this movie thinking, oh, it's going to be like a slasher movie, which there are some of that elements to it. Like so, the killing gets started, you know, kind of in the middle, I guess, probably, or is it like an, about an hour into it, or yeah, it's kind of like the end of the second act throughout the third act. And so you do get a lot of kills with the drill. It didn't quite make sense why he picked a drill or like. So you ask, well, how does a guy go around New York City with a power drill, a power tool killing people? Well, he has something called a porto pack, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's like this. Uh, and I wonder if this is like a real thing or something they just made for the movie. But uh, it's like a battery pack that you that's strapped to a belt. You just, you just like put it around your waist plug your power tool into it and it, you're good to go for however long. And so he's got this battery pack thing around his waist and he's just going around, going to town, going around New York city. He's like killing homeless people, just like drilling into them. And uh, it was kind of disturbing. I would say some of those scenes where he's killing people, it's, it's not gory. Like there's no real gore, but he's just like drilling into people and you see some like blood and stuff like that. There was one shot where he drilled right into a guy's forehead. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, wow. Yeah, they used that one on the cover because that was the best shot in the movie. And (laughs) yeah, like you said, it's not gory, but it is bloody. And it's all practical. It looks like red paint. And I did appreciate that. And this was a movie that I said before, you know, I chose it without seeing it. Mostly because I think I used to confuse it back in the day with some of the sleep, um, like slumber party movies because that killer has a drill. And so you hear Driller Killer and you're like, oh, I wonder if they pulled from this. Well, I'm going to watch this movie. And, you know, this movie, like when you described it earlier, it has a great synopsis. Like I never seen a trailer for it and that might have kept me from picking it. I don't know. It might have a great trailer. But when I read it, I'm like, oh, a struggling artist can't pay the bills, goes crazy, starts killing people. I'm like, this sounds good. Let's watch it. And the thing is, is like I watched it and it is what it is like that they're not leading you in a direction but the delivery is just so bizarre i think bizarre is a good word for it yeah so like for me like since this is like low budget i was expecting maybe some of the acting not to be the greatest like amateur actors but i feel like the acting was pretty good in this i mean i feel like these could have been like and like i said maybe this a lot of this was improv but i feel like the dialogue was pretty realistic um you know so I don't know how much writing there actually was, but I feel like these could have been real people just in New York, you know, in the punk music scene. Um, I don't I don't really feel like they were I don't know, like I don't feel like they're really acting all that much. I feel like this is just them being them who they were, you know, um, the main guy who's also the director of the movie. That's important to know. Reno is the director of this movie, which is weird because he's on camera so much. It's like, how does he directing? But maybe, you know, I, I'm not a director, so I don't know. But his acting felt very authentic. Like I believe, and they, I think the idea was to make him an unlikable character. And if that was the case, they succeeded because I hated him in this movie. And I was led to believe I was supposed to. And usually I'm like rooting for the killer in horror movies. Cause that's part of the fun. It's a horror movie, you know, but in this one, man, I was just kind of hoping like he'd get it in the end. And, um, not the case, huh? Andy, oh man yeah that so talking about the ending Mm. that was one of the main frustrating things for me i was just like come on you're gonna end it like that like you know you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of the ending of black christmas yep um which black (laughs) christmas came out before so maybe they were just trying the same thing 
Yeah, and I always feel like, did he run out of ideas? You know, did he just decide this is the end? You know, like, maybe they just ran out of time or something? I don't know, like... But like you said, they filmed over, like, a couple years' time span just on weekends, so... What if um, some of the folks were no longer available and they just kind of, you know, chopped it off and called it done, you know? Right. It's it's not, like, the worst ending, but like you said, it's extremely frustrating because... I'll be honest with you, the last um, 10 minutes of the movie had some pretty decent, decent like build. Like I felt like, okay, like I felt like the movie's got us to this point because there's actually a story with these two characters. I think something's going to go down and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe um, he's going to kill these people. Maybe they're going to kill him. I don't know. You know, there's only like so long he's going to get away with this. And they built up to it very well. And then it just kind of drop ended and I'm like, oh, man, I missed it. And so I remember rewinding it because this movie streams for free on Tubi if you want to see what we're talking about. But no, I mean, you go ahead and pay attention to it and you'll see the ending just kind of fall off. And I didn't do any extra research to see if that was how it was planned or, or anything like that. But I can only wonder if somebody picks up a copy of this and there's any commentary from anybody behind the scenes of the movie that they could explain what the intention was. Yeah, so so we're you know we're talking about these two characters. We're talking about Reno and his girlfriend. So they have this build up. You know, their their relationship is kind of crazy. It's kind of tumultuous. Like they, you know, he treats her like crap. Basically, yeah. she's paying the bills, and he then he even like talks about, oh, so you want what do you want me to do? You want me to to get on my knees and thank you for paying the the bills or something like that? You know, it's just saying kind of rude stuff like that to her, and he just treats her like trash usually. And uh, so she finally, well, so the thing that that caused her to finally leave is the art dealer comes and looks at the painting finally when Reno has it finished. And by this point, Reno has started his killing spree. He he's he's mainly he's basically just killed homeless people. So, like, the police aren't really on to him or anything like that. But he's finally finished his painting and the art dealer comes and looks at it and he says it's trash. He says, this is stupid. Why? Like, why would you paint a buffalo kind of thing? This is there's nothing to it. And leaves, and that was what everything was building up to. Like Reno kept talking about this payday, and and once I get this finished, we're gonna have all the money we ever want. We can go take trips, all this stuff. And once that dealer like rejects the painting and walks out, she is like, his girlfriend's like, "What the hell am I still doing here? Like, yeah. I, I, I've I've like invested all this time and money into this this guy, hoping that he would that it was gonna pay off, and there is no payoff." Well, Andy, it's also like he has done other work that this dealer has loved, and it was a lot more abstract. And there was really nothing to this Buffalo painting. And there were scenes earlier where she's like, is it finished? And he's like, I'll tell you when it's finished. I'll wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you when it's finished. How about that? Like he's slowly losing his grip. And Andy, I didn't see anything progressively done to that painting. It looked the same throughout the whole movie. But when that art dealer didn't like it and left – she was furious that, yes, he didn't like it, but also Reno didn't say anything. Like, he didn't defend the painting. He didn't try to, like, point out the things about it. And I think that's another thing that pissed her off is he acted like he just didn't care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She's like, do something. She was yelling at him to do, yeah. like, and he didn't. And so that's when she just, like, packed her, packed her stuff up. And she was like, she, and, like, he was asleep and she left while he was asleep. But I think he woke up and he actually, like, ran after her, but. 
and he like grabbed her suitcase and she's like i don't need it and she just left the suitcase there and yep. and, he, and he's like screaming after you need your suitcase you need your things and and and, and we kind of get a little bit of a uh a good feeling like oh she got away from him because we knew yeah. that because we know as the audience that this guy's batshit crazy and so we're, we're like we're feeling good for her like oh she got away so that's good and, <laughs> but that's not the case like no uh he finds out i guess through through that other woman like yes and like so he he ends up killing the art dealer he like lures lures the art dealer back to the apartment and uh yeah, that was a pretty interesting scene, Andy. Like there was a plot device with the those female clothes being left behind. Because, oh. you know, when he kept her suitcase, he literally tries on he, he kind of trends himself. He dresses up in her clothes and paints himself up with makeup. Um, and it's a if I'm being honest, man, it was a pretty wicked look like when the art dealer because he talks to him on the phone and. I'm led to believe that the art dealer is gay and has feelings for Reno. And so he kind of uses that on the phone saying, hey, I'm alone. Why don't you come over? And the art dealer's like, you're alone? There's nobody there? It's the middle of the night. And he's like, yeah, but I got to show you something. Come on over. And so you get that he's messing with him, like playing with his feelings. So the art dealer's like, let me get dressed. I'll come over. And the art dealer comes over, and we see Reno, and he straight up looks like Tim Curry, man, from um, – that what is that horror musical that I've never seen that everybody loves? Oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was a real cool, and I thought he was going to go the rest of the movie like that, and I was like, this is kind of crazy cool. Like I, I could see this working, uh, but unfortunately, it's just for this scene. But it's a pretty cool scene. Yeah. So you know, we we think that his girlfriend's gotten away, and I think she's went back to her former husband. I, I'm guessing because he call or she calls him, and we kind of see like. They still kind of have this communication. Well, of course, he sends her the alimony check, but he like sends her extra money too. He's like, I yeah. know I sent you the check, but here's like, he like sends her a letter in the mail with some money in it, and like she's reading the letter. Like, so he still, it's like he still has feelings for like the ex husband. Like he still kind of like is fighting for this relationship. Like kind of fighting for her maybe. Sure. And so she goes back to him. So we're like, okay, great. This. So she kind of has a happy ending, but then Reno finds out where they're at. So he goes and they're, you know, we see like the, the girlfriend and her ex-husband, they're kind of reunited. They're having this dinner or whatever. And she goes to take a shower <laughs> and then Reno comes in and kills the ex-husband and slips into bed. And so she doesn't know what's happened. So the lights are off and she goes into the bedroom and slips into bed. And like, she starts talking to her ex-husband, like, but it's not her ex-husband. We don't, but we don't really see what happens, and that's where the movie ends. And you're like, oh yeah. man, okay. Because uh, I, I was hoping to at least maybe get the drill sound again or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> but no, it was nothing. It, and that's kind of creepy, I guess. Sure. But yeah, it just kind of leaves the yeah, you wanting a little bit more, and I, I don't know. Maybe some people would like that. And you know, it's easy for us to say what we're saying, but back then, I mean, after you filmed the movie. It, when it's complete and then maybe you get that idea it's not like you can go back and edit in a new ending or test audiences didn't like it and try it again you know what i mean like we're reviewing it and, and adding to it but at the end of the day it is what it is right yeah um well another thing i thought was interesting was the uh the people on the street like these so you have <laughs> you have like reno right he's like this sadistic killer killing people with a power drill 
But you have these other people that are almost scary too, in a way. Like there was a scene at a bus stop. Yep. And there was a couple of guys waiting for the bus stop, and there was this crazy guy that was walking around, like he was like walking behind them. And that scene was tense just because you didn't know what this guy was gonna do. You didn't know if he was gonna try to attack the people at the bus stop. And like Reno wasn't even in the picture. This what he. It's just this other guy kind of yelling and and kind of look what pacing back and forth behind these people at this bus stop, and you kind of you're kind of afraid for these people at the bus stop. Like, man, is he going to try to do something to them? I know if I was in that position, I would be like tense as hell. I would be like <laughs> looking over my shoulder the whole time. And you trying to and, say if he called you dad, you wouldn't be okay with it? Yeah, I I I would probably try to ignore him like those people did. Yeah, yeah, you know, and just hope that he didn't try to do something and um. But yeah, that that scene was pretty tense. Like, there's other kind of strange people out on the streets. So Reno's not the only scary person out there. I feel like, but yeah. Um, so I thought that was an interesting layer uh, with this movie. But yeah, talking he, about he was yeah. one of the people I was actually okay with Reno killing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, talking about yeah. So we're kind of talking about some of our frustrations with this movie. Uh, you know, I think I feel like. Some of the editing editing was choppy. We got too much of this punk band, I feel like. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of likable characters in this movie. I think you you know, you kind of root for the girlfriend to kind of get away out of the situation that she's in. Um Do you think that he killed the other girl? Because we don't really see what happens with her. He she walks in and she finds that the art dealer's dead and he's pinned to the door, and that was pretty cool. And so he's like, where are you going? And he holds her, and we understand that he gets the information from her, but then we never see or hear from her again, right? Am I right about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah, we I don't wonder. ever see what happens. Are you surprised that there was never a sequel to this movie? Because, I mean, with such an easy story and concept, they could have done anything else. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't really thought about it, but... Um, I guess you could say that maybe like uh, the Slumber Party Massacre could have been like a spiritual sequel or something. I don't know. That's, I don't and know. you know, speaking about that, we we all talk about Slumber Party Massacre. And you know, in that movie, Andy, there's a couple of scenes that are very suggestive with the killer standing with the drill between his legs. There was a scene like that in this movie, too, where he did that. And I thought it, it stood out, you know, right on the nose and was done really well. Yeah, so I don't know, like this movie, t- thinking about this movie, kind of like giving, like, letting people know what to expect, I guess, if they're one to watch this movie. Um, you know, it's if you're going in expecting a slasher movie, you're going to kind of get that, but you're going to kind of get like a art house kind of movie too, grindhouse. Uh, you know, there's there's just a lot going on in this movie, I feel like. Um, a lot as far as just like, I don't know, like, there's not a lot of characters in this movie, so there's not a lot to keep up with there, but um, there's just a lot of, I don't know, this movie's kind of chaotic, and it does kind of get to you a little bit, I think, with the music and some of the visuals, and it's almost like you're going on this, like, descent into madness along with Reno as you're watching this movie. (laughs) Right. I'll tell you one thing I've learned about it now is that it's definitely more fun to talk with a friend about than to actually watch it. And the good news is, is the movie's only an hour and a half, but the bad news is it feels like two and a half hours because it drags a lot. 
but if you're hearing this podcast and you just you kind of want to know and we've kind of set you up that okay you know you may not love this movie just kind of go in there and see all the crazy shit we're talking about maybe you can get something out of it like that but talking to you about it andy uh okay at least that made it worth watching (laughs) yeah yeah and uh talking about where to watch this movie i actually watched it on the canopy app because i have a library card and they have the, uh, I think they had the Arrow release, the transfer on there. It was a pretty good transfer. Oh, wow. um, I, don't, I don't know what the 2B one looked like. The 2B was, oh man, I don't remember if it was standard or, or high def just because of the kind of movie it was. But obviously there was lots of ads. So that that might have attributed to why it was so long. <laughs> yeah, but you can basically find this pretty much anywhere. But as far as like for free, it's 2B. It's on 2B. Yeah, that's. That's there probably the main place you would go. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you've never seen it, I guess it's worth a watch. If if you're a fan of Grindhouse, like 70s Grindhouse movies, um, if you're a fan of like New York punk music, you might be a fan of this movie. Oof, I don't know, man. That is, <laughs> I, I'm not I, I can't play an instrument, so I'm not trying to, to talk about things I don't understand. But that just that was not good music, in my opinion. And it could have had a lot to do with the audio quality too. Like some of that singing was way too loud, and you couldn't. It was no clarity, and so it is what it is. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, the the singer he just was kind of like Oof. he didn't make a whole lot of sense when he was singing. It was just kind of like <laughs> he, was he was just coked kinda, out of his mind, man. Probably, yeah. Um, he did have a couple of backup singers, so <laughs> I guess he, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Like these two blondes, they were they didn't totally they totally didn't fit into the whole thing that was. They looked going like on a couple of valley girls. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like it's hard to recommend this movie, but I would say if you've never seen it, it's probably worth a watch. You know, Andy, I think that like real horror fans just have to watch it just to be able to check the box to say they've seen it and can talk to people about it. But I think your casual horror fan can skip it. Like if you're somebody who really sees the big ones in theater and that's about it, you're probably not going to like this movie. But if you're like Andy and myself, which I think more of the horror community is where you're at least down to give anything a shot once, eh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with this guy. Abel Ferrer is the director, and I know he's did this movie called Ms. 45, and I think it's like a revenge action, more of a, like an action type movie. I think. Mm. So I went through his list. I, I try. I had never seen anything else he's done, and I'm unfortunately I'm probably not going to. But hey, yeah. you know, Driller Killer. The biggest thing for me, Andy, is this movie came out in 1979, and that's a year that I love because two of my favorite movies came out in 1979. Like, why'd they got to go mess it up for me? I love Star Trek The Motion Picture, and I love the Amityville Horror. I had some high hopes for Driller Killer. It let me down. I was looking to see what he had done, like, as far as being a director. Yeah, he did, like I said, he did Ms. 45, which is more like a crime thriller movie. Uh, Fear City, which is more of a crime thriller. He actually directed a couple episodes of Miami Vice. So yeah, that's kind of I cool. believe it. But yeah, he kind of did more of like the crime type movies. Um, oh, he did the Body Snatchers remake of 1993. He actually directed that movie. Never seen it. Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, at first, when I first saw it, I didn't like it. It's got the sci-fi channel feel to it. Okay. But on a rewatch, it gets better. Yeah, I know it had Forrest Whitaker and Arlie Army in it, so it was on my list. But I know it had the same writers, this movie, too. So, yeah, maybe. Okay. 
Yeah, so so that kind of sums it up about Driller Killer. Um, just another movie I'm knocking off my list here on the Mill Creek box sets. So, so Dave, uh, you know you're you're uh, you're my co-host on here, but you also have another podcast that you do. So, let everybody know about your podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. And uh, you're like my unofficial co-host for <laughs> All Things Day podcast because you come on there all the time. And one of our more recent episodes, we talked about our top five werewolf movies. So if you guys dig werewolf movies, which <laughs> why wouldn't you uh, hop over here? You can find my podcast pretty much anywhere. But, you know, iTunes and Spotify are probably the biggest platforms. But uh, if you like to hear Andy, man, he's been on there more times than I can count. Just come check us out. I also put out an Ask Anything episode where I had listeners submit a lot of questions. So it's a really cool, like, 45-minute solo episode. So, yeah, you can come check me out, All Things Dave, or you can just wait till I come back on here. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. So I'm always glad to have him on when he gets the chance. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm getting ready to move, so who knows when that's going to be. <laughs> But anyway, you've been listening to the World of Horror.